Welcome to another edition of the Grizz Den Podcast. A little editor's note here at the beginning of the episode. We recorded this at the end of last week, but it was before the John Morant suspension news had been released. So we had discussed that suspension and our predictions for it at the top of the episode. We cut that part out, though, and so we are going to be starting mid-conversation with some news talk as well as a draft preview. Our next episode, we'll be back with you with our live draft reactions. And so until then, hope you enjoy this episode. We'll talk to you soon. idea can i say it really fast absolutely do we know do we know mike conley's like contract situation right now like is he unrestricted is he a free agent do we know what that is i think he's got one year left and it was partial guarantee partial guarantee okay my half-baked extremely half-baked idea is sign and trade with the wolves give them tires we take back nasreed sign and extend nasreed because they don't have the money to do it Hmm. that's my trade idea we can move on yeah, it's part partial guaranteed. Um, so you're saying that they would they don't fully have the guarantee? Money. They don't have is, the money. No, we Conley would not be involved in the trade at all. Oh, okay. we only get Nasreed back. I see. Because they're not going to have the money to sign Nasreed to an extension that he's worth, which I think is the full mid level. I do like Nas. They he's are not coming up on some serious money issues. He's not a great defender, but. If you have Jaron, you don't have to it, be. He and so. Jaron together to me would be real nice. And is that your if Steven's not totally ready move? Yeah, if BC or? just never kind of becomes the guy that we need him to be. How's Nas as a rebounder? That's my good. biggest question. Good rim protector, really good three point shooter. Nas would be nice. Um, in other news, Darko Rajakovic hired okay. in Toronto. We referenced it in the last podcast in the Denny's, if you're listening. Um Really, really exciting to see the first staff member um, under Taylor Jenkins get hired out. It means that another, I, I would say, um, positive when you're looking at, at Jenkins, the ability to uh, hire and attract uh, talented coaches. Um, of course, the next logical question here is Mike Boonholzer. He's a free agent. We just actually signed an assistant coach from the Bucks. Recently, like yeah, Spolstra, Spolstra want to be um, started out as a video guy. Any any opinions on, on Darko slash what's next for for the the, uh, the coaching staff? I know that you know we we have our finger on the pulse. Yeah. I mean, I think coaching I think circles. one thing of interest is that the Raptors are a team we've talked a lot about as far as having some tradable pieces being a team that's trying to figure out what they're trying to do in the future. And it's interesting to me now that they, their head coach knows all of our young players and was the development guy for them. And it makes me interest. It just is. It'll be interesting for me to see if Darko goes to the Raptors and is wanting to, to grab one of these young Grizzlies players when I think, you know, we're in a roster crunch situation that we're probably going to be wanting to give up some young players for, for veterans. And so I just find that interesting, like just like a subplot of we have a guy who obviously is connected to our organization. Um, and so, you know, 
the good thing is that means potential trade talks. There's friendliness there, but then of course the issue is he knows. And so it'll be interesting to see if there are players that we have that, that he wants. Um, and so I think that's interesting. And, but you know, and I think it is, like you said, it's a good thing. I mean, it's sad because you kind of like the continuity with coaches and he seems to be a really beloved coach. I mean, every single player put something on social media, whether it be Twitter, Instagram about him when he left. And so, so I think that'll be a loss and I'm hoping we, you know, can find a good, a good assistant coach to replace him. Um, but I think it's always a good thing and it's going to be interesting to see if, the Raptors start getting any Grizzlies trade rumors for me. I was going to say, more interestingly, from the Raptors' side, it, you don't hire a really young coach, in my opinion, who's unproven unless you're uh, maybe starting to enter a new phase of your team, right. which is indicative of them, yeah. you and, know, uh, the, uh, Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's moving nobody's off. saying he's le- – he, it feels like there's no energy toward him staying right, right now. Right. It definitely feels like he's going to another team. Yep. Um, Jaron Jackson has had a cool off season. FIBA World Cup. He's going to be on the team. Um, and it just struck me personally how many big men, uh, who are American. You know, there's there's basically a shortage. I feel like right now it's like him and Bam Adebayo were the two like shoe ins for this. And you look across the league and you're like, wow, not a many, not many American born big men right now that would be playing on these international stages, specifically in a non-Olympic year. They've actually even nabbed Walker Kessler uh, to be another big on this roster as well. So really exciting for Jaron to get to watch him. Um, I think Santi's also playing for Spain Mm -hmm. in this, which is why he will not be at Summer League, I think was the report. Um, So anyway, exciting stuff. And interestingly, uh, very loose goaltending rules on uh, FIBA. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, Jaron can get the blocks up. And uh, Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson and a bunch of other potential future Grizzlies are also on this team. So, Jaron. Get friendly. Do your, <laughs> do your magic, my guy. Unbelievable. Get some talent. I mean, we've already seen the, the Mikel Bridges uh, Bane pictures of them hanging out and, yeah. uh, and doing mean, some training together. We floated so. a Cam Johnson trade on this podcast, and we have a crystal ball. So it's going to happen. DFS, Cam J. Bring it on. Come on, baby. Um, did y'all listen to the Paul George pod with Jaron on there? Snippets, not the whole thing, start to finish, but I, I you know, the most highlighted, I guess, spots I listened to. Um, I thought it was great. I loved it. I love what he said about Ja, about he's like, that's my brother no matter what. Um, he's going through a lot. We got him. He's going to be fine. He's going to be back to doing his thing, dominating the league. Um, I thought that was great. Yeah, it was – it was encouraging. I felt like he was diplomatic in it all, and you that's what I would want to hear from a, a teammate, just kind of not being irresponsible with takes and opinions, kind of like Carl Anthony Towns was on another recent player podcast. Um, so I, I love the contrast. That's the guy that Grizz need, though, right? Like that's the perfect player archetype that we need is a guy just like him. Agreed? Just yeah, man, like him I'm, in every way? Like Dylan for cat straight up who says no. Yeah, that's yeah. impossible. Hundred percent. The universe. Some of y'all might get that to that one. Some of you, Will does. There's some. You. There's some Grizz writers out there that think cat to the Grizz is just the perfect player. It's true. Wait, that's for real? Oh yeah, it is. It is very. Writers, why can't you reference these people by name if it's public? <laughs> and that's why you come to the Grizz Den Pod. There you go. <laughs> Let's talk about the draft. It's upcoming in a week. And the Grizzlies have three picks. We have number 25, 
number 45, and number 56. There have been reports, I believe it was Jonathan Gavoni, who said that the Grizzlies he hears are trying to trade up. Um, my take on this, and then I'll let y'all give your takes on this, the draft in general. My take on this is the Grizzlies are in a position where they are the other side of the Melton trade that they just made this last draft, where there's a pick that is seen as valuable enough for a team who is maybe in one step behind the Grizzlies in terms of their rebuilding process to trade away what would be considered a veteran player on a um, mid-sized contract in return for that higher first-round pick. In our case, um, it was higher than 25th pick that we traded away in the Melton trade. And so it's like, I just think, to me, they're trying to consolidate their assets for a better pick to then deal it in the draft for for a player because I think that they know this is a really good opportunity um, to go ahead, spend some assets, and maybe not lose any future assets or flexibility if you can parlay um, some picks to make it more favorable. I think that's what they're trying to do. Personally, I'd be very shocked if we took yet another player in this draft that would be higher than the picks we've already had. If anything, I, I would think that we'd try to just – find value, and and try to trade back and maybe slot somebody in a two-way spot. Because right now, we already have 14 players under contract. Like, who are you going to – and if we're trying to get a veteran, I don't know. It just, to me, on a mid-level deal, which is what we have at our disposal, it just seems like we will not be drafting uh, more than maybe one or two guys who will likely be slotted in on a two-way. So that's my take on what these reports mean. What do y'all think about the draft in general? What are I mean, your takes? Well, one thing is I would say it's – I mean, I'd be interested to know if Gavoni is actually sourced in that or he's just literally like every single year Clyman's been in charge, we've moved up in the draft to take a pick. So I'm just going to throw that out there because I'm assuming the Grizzlies are going to move up, uh, you know, potentially move up to take a pick. But I do think you're right in that the roster crunch – we have 14 players under contract. Our only open roster spot would be Dylan's, and since it all signs point to us not bringing him back, that it feels like this first round pick, which would not, you know, the good thing is we have a third two way now under the new CBA, and I feel like later picks might go to that. But you're, you don't take a first round pick and then put them as a two way. So we basically have one spot, and so it does feel like consolidation is going to happen. And so if we do move up to pick somebody. It's gonna. We're gonna have to probably give up multiple players, assuming that we're wanting to bring in some mid-level people. And I just, it, it's hard to see that happening. But I mean, you know, that we've never the front office has never done what we have expected. But so my my take would be, if we do move up, we need a guy who they're, you know, they're pretty sure on or really think highly of. And then at that point, we better be figuring like there better be some trades happening. Because we got a massive roster crunch, and I know we we're gonna have to get rid of some people um, to be able to sign a mid level guy. That I'm assuming we're gonna use the mid level on somebody this uh, this off season. Yeah, so. for some reason I feel like that. Will I understand your point? And I my initial thought even before you had said yours was like there could just be a chance where they just are gonna figure out how to get to a position to take the best available player possible because they sort of know what sort of consolidation is gonna happen across a couple of players anyway. They have a good enough feel 
for what could be out there. So they have a couple of potential needs that they want to address based on other guys that they're going to trade away. Yeah, I was listening to the Chris Harrington had a really interesting thought on their podcast. They're pre the Daily Memphian preview kind of draft preview pod, and he's like, when we traded up to get Zaire, he doesn't believe that it was just definitely for Zaire, right? He thinks it was for one of four, four to five players within that range that they knew would be there. Uh, Giddy, Franz Wagner, Zaire was one. Maybe Moses Moody was one, right? They had three or four guys that they knew that would be at the 10 spot, and they're really comfortable taking one of those four, right? Maybe Zaire was their third option, right? I don't really know that. So he kind of mentioned, like, if he thinks that we trade up, it is to get a certain type of player that is currently being mocked in that, like, mid to late teen range, which, as he was pointing out, seems to be, like, you're kind of like combo guards. You're 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guards. You can kind of do a little bit of everything, right? Kind of play, make, shoot a little bit, defend a little bit, stuff like that. In the past, we have always been for the big wing. Like the last three drafts, we have been all over that. LaRavia, Roddy, Zaire. You could even argue Santi's kind of a little bit like that, right? Just a bigger player who is versatile and has shooting upside is what we've kind of looked for. So I tried to kind of like think about the draft in a couple of different ways. It's like, do we keep trying to throw a dart at that big wing who can shoot and just kind of like get as many players on our roster that are that prototype and just whoever works out works out and that's who we kind of come away with? Or do we look to kind of like fill different needs on the roster? Like are we kind of like not pivoting to a different position but pivoting – to someone a different skill set, right? Because we've looked for the same skill set over and over and over again for the last couple of years, and now are we kind of pivoting to, like, again, the combo guard? Uh, friend of the pod, Matt Herlicka, had kind of mentioned in one of his write-ups, like, do we kind of look at a big, right? Is there, like, a big that we really like? Um, is there a guy that maybe we move up to that we could, like, stash that we didn't have to put on our roster right now? Um, an interesting thing with the draft that I've kind of been thinking about, too, is with the new CBA, with our roster, like, we're going to get expensive, but not crazy expensive, right? Like, Jaw's not going to be making All-NBA money. Bain's not going to be making All-NBA money. Neither is Jaron. Like, they could, two of the three could end up being All-NBA players, not making those huge contracts. There are other teams in our situation that are much, much more hamstrung financially than what we will be. And at the same time, the best value is a rookie late-round first pick that actually contributes. Desmond Bain is a prime example of that. So when people talk about like trading out, trading away, trading away, trading away picks, stuff like that, a part of that, like a part of me is like, yes, that makes sense. We are in a position as a team to not take on youth. Climate even said that, right? Like it wasn't maybe ideal to triple down on youth and all that kind of stuff. But again, at the same time, like those contracts and those players can be extremely valuable. So for me, I think I have to take a pause and just kind of like a step back for two reasons. Like the group think around the Grizzlies, just like it was last year, is like, oh, there's no way they're going to make all these picks. And we drafted five players. Um, so everyone kind of got it wrong, right? So I'm kind of leaning into that a little bit this time too. Of like, oh, well, they're not like they're going to – 
trade a bunch of their picks to like go get a guy. Like OG is an example. Like if we trade a bunch of picks to go get OG, like his contract is up next year and he's going to want a huge payday. Like what are we going to be able to do with that? Are we really going to be able to pay him 20 to 25 million a year for 4 years? Like what? I don't know. It's just like if you really start thinking about what can we really do? Like what makes the most sense? I would love to hear y'all's thoughts on this too. Like a part of me is like maybe don't throw out five first-round picks for a player because maybe within our financial system, first-round picks are going to be very valuable. And a lot of like contending teams are kind of running out of them, right? Like they're kind of scrambled. Like you saw what Denver did last week, scrambled just to try to get a first-round pick in this year's draft because what are they trying to find? That cheap – valuable contract because that's what they can afford and that's it bruce brown he's gone they can't afford him so like there are these teams in contention now with the new cba rules that are gonna have to try to find value elsewhere and to me i believe first round picks are start to gonna have value again Mm -hmm. because a lot of you know the last couple years they've been lost everyone's like throwing them out like candy who cares about those anymore right but to me now, that is going to get a little bit turned. And I think the value of the first-round pick, especially for a team that has a great history of drafting really well and having players that a lot of guys, a lot of teams don't value, we do value, look what they turn into, I think that can become a really big asset. And I think other teams aren't willing to do that. They're not willing to try to build that way. And they're like, we'll trade them all for DeJounte Murray, who does what to your ceiling? Nothing. Right, like to me, the Hawks. That was such a dumb move. Um, Donovan Mitchell. You could argue, like, is he going to really resign for the Cavs in a year when his contract is up? I don't know. Right, when you're paying Gobert, Carlin T. Towns, and Anthony Edwards over thirty-five to forty million for each of those three players, do you not think your future first are going to be valuable? They don't have any more of those. What are you going to do with Jaden McDaniel? Are you going to be able to pay him twenty million a year? I don't know because you don't have any other picks. You don't have any other value contracts. So to me, it's kind of like, should we rethink the group think about the Grizzlies? Like, oh, they'll just trade them on, go get an upgrade. Like, maybe we won't because maybe the first-round picks will become valuable again. I've been thinking about this for quite a long time. Yeah. So I want to hear feedback, please. No, I mean, I, th- I mean, I think you look at the Nuggets, and that's uh, the Nuggets have one transcendent player and another really good, like, honestly, top 25 player who really, I think, performs well, especially in the playoffs, and Jamal Murray. And then you have two sort of like with Aaron Gordon, you know, and Michael Porter Jr., two of their like what they would call their core. I mean, I think they're in trouble because Michael Porter is going to have to play a lot better for the contract he's on. Um, and, and so you look at us and we're about to pay Bain and we're going to, you know, and so the thought is, is Bain, Jaron, Jaw, the three of them together, that trajectory good enough to where if you surround them with a combo like the Nuggets of role player, like a veteran guys that that are there for it, like a KCP and a Brown, or um, and then like you have like a couple like kind of good rookies come through, or you have like a Jeff Green playing in his like twentieth year, uh, and that like and that's good enough to win a title. You know, I mean that's what's interesting is the Nuggets have four, we have three, and I think that was the thing. Can Dylan be a four, the fourth? And the answer is no now. And so do we go and find this fourth like an OG and then get in a bind that the Nuggets are gonna be in in about a year or two when they can't pay all four of those guys? 
Um, or do we or do we already start to stockpile, like you said, the cheap rookie deals? Like do what we did with Melton. Okay, Melton's not good enough, and he's at peak value. Let's trade him. Let's get a tradable asset and a, and a young rookie, and like keep doing that, and like think about this year. And really, it's just combination of young youth and injuries is what kept us out of the the out of being where the Nuggets are. Not to say that we would have beaten the Nuggets, but just that would we been been on their plane other than a little bit of youth and, you know, obviously just the perfect storm of a season that we had. And I think that's the question because there's a part of me that does think like just make some good veteran deals, draft, keep drafting well, and we're fine. And don't go after the OG or the Mikel Bridges type all in sort of move. Yeah. But that would be very counter. I mean, you know, the yeah. risk is that we just kind of we get to a place like where the Celtics are right now, where it's like, well, now you got to pay your really good players like super maxes and you're you you still haven't got broke through. What do we do? You know, so I do think, though, the I your point is is right. I think that the Grizzlies are still, though, operating off of here are the five guys that we're going to offer everything for. They happen to be the five guys that everybody else would offer everything for. And I think the problem is, is that Dylan really screwed this up by not being a guy now that we can rely on as an asset to trade. And we might get a sign and trade. Who knows? It would involve collaboration by all parties. But I think like this piece breaking down is going to be difficult to navigate around because all of a sudden we're looking at those contracts and it's like you have the combination of the BC injury, the Dylan Brooks stuff, the the fact that Tyus Jones is a point guard, not a wing, to trade. We need Stephen Adams so badly for this whole thing to work. And I think that we're just – the flexibility is really tough. And so they might just scour everything and just decide it is better for us to just go ahead and take this value and maybe try to consolidate a couple of our young guys that were iffy on to then open up the roster spots in order to sign like a mid-level guy. And so I think you could see like very incremental moves that would involve, who knows, like maybe they even go as far as to trade back from 25 to let's say 30, stockpile a future pick and just have that in in their bank to then cash in later on if in the trade deadline somebody comes available. So I think that they, I, I do think that they're actually going to be more aggressive, but I just don't see it happening to a large extent this off season for somebody that we're going to be like over the moon about. I think it's going to be more right. on a guy that has a flaw, but the front office believes in their development to maybe fix some of that and shore up value. Yeah. So. And my thing about the picks is like, again, the, the teams I reference are teams that are like in much more dire financial situations than we are. Right. Like we've all talked about how Jaron's contract on the back half of this is going to be like, Oh my gosh. Like, it's one of the best deals in NBA history, right? But my thing is, if we do trade five first-round picks for a guy that's making twenty to twenty-five million a year, we got four guys tied up in like over a hundred million. Like, where is our value contracts then going to come from, right? A great way to have valuable contracts is again by using your first-round picks with contributing contributing players. And to me, like, you really kind of run up against a wall be like, well, how do you now get that? Now, all that to be said is our team right now, we just talked about, it, is a huge roster crunch. That's not always going to be the case. Our players on our roster are not on infinite long contracts with the Grizzlies, right? 
They're going to run up at some point. They're probably going to get traded, you would think, at some point. So roster shots will be available. There will be room to add players. I just don't want to get in a pickle now with a new CBA of how basically hamstrung you can really be if you hit that second marker. And I'm, we're not really even close to that right now, right? So that's, again, projecting really far away. But I think you can sneak up and be like, oh, man, like we don't have anywhere to go unless we want to trade Jaron or Bain or someone like that, right? Like that's where you're going to kind of run up into a position where or you're ja. kind of like – Or Ja. Yeah, like you're just like, well, we don't – have any other way to go so we're gonna have to like break down this core like if you look at the warriors right now they're literally just like probably gonna give away kaminga for just like whoever will have him because they don't have anywhere else to go like that's a top 10 pick from last year's draft two years ago draft and they're just like ah we honestly can't afford we don't like we just got to get rid of like i don't yeah. want to be in that position. It's, it's not there's nothing strategic besides just we gotta we gotta get to a certain point under the luxury tax or like we, or whatever, yeah. under the second apron. Like, that's, like, literally the only reason they're trying to give away Kaminga. There's no, like, really basketball to Oh, it. no, definitely not. Yeah. Um, I just think it's a – I don't know. I Which is a hard, about a terrible it. place to be. Yeah, and I just – I don't think we're going to be in that spot because I think our front office is really smart. I think there's a reason Bob Myers is like, I'm gone. Y'all deal with all this because now I don't have unlimited amount of spending. I think it's funny that say he's a great general man. If you gave me every, every dollar in the world to go make a team, I think I could make a pretty good one. Um, I don't know. I just think it's maybe we should try to sh- try to shift the focus, get out of the group think. That's another reason about like when people try to like mock certain players to the Grizzlies. Like I had my computer dot, of course it always does. But there's like the Athletic, the Ringer, and ESPN have three different guys mocked to us. The reasoning isn't usually great. But my other point is like throw all that out the window because the Grizzlies have time and time again just come from the rafters for guys, right? Like the Santi Aldama thing, we were literally all like, who is that and why is he worth the 30th pick? Bane, we were like, oh, this is awesome. Roddy, go listen to the draft pod. We had some big reactions to that one. Even LaRavia, we were kind of like, I mean, I guess that's good. I don't really know. It's just whatever you think, you have to like trust the front office, but things may not go like you think they're going to go. And that, honestly, is probably okay because there's little we know. There's little these draft experts, quote-unquote, know as well. Yeah, it's weird. It's almost like the Grizzlies don't like the second round because of the – like it's like uh, the, two-way, the two-way contract guys have some – The Grizz ha- won't guarantee – Yeah, they like, they like the they predictability want. of the two ways and they like the predictability of the end of the first round as far as being able to like plot sort of how it is. And it feels like obviously and, – and this might be explained. Like they just – they mess up the second rounders. I mean, that's the Kenny Chandler thing. They kind of don't – they don't get the second round value in the same way. So it's almost like, okay, we they probably could have gotten Roddy in the second round, but it's like we would rather get him in the first round and kind of know what to project, what sort of the salary and the extensions. I want to ask you all, what do you all think – I have two questions. One, The first one is um, what – a few days before draft, do you think – we will make a trade before the draft. What do you think the likelihood is that that a trade will happen with us before this draft in a few days? I was going to say, I was going to put the over-under on Grizzlies involved in trades at two and a half from now till the end of the draft. Because okay. I think that I would take the over, personally. Okay. Mainly because we have three picks and Kleiman has traded like 95% of his picks that he's had. Before the draft, I think that 
I would feel more confident that they're going to wait okay. to so see what's what's out there day of. I feel like they're more opportunistic. So you don't expect like there. a JV Stephen Adams type trade with like draft picks. Moving I just around. think that if people are moving draft picks around, we just don't have the best offer when everyone's involved. I think we operate better in chaos when we're shorthanded. Okay. And so that's my prediction. Yeah. I mean, watch in two days, we have some big trade, but I, that's just my prediction. What do y'all think? I think it's hard too with the. I mean, I do think we're definitely going to do something. I think a trades. I mean, it's it's of course it's hard to sit here and say that it won't when it has every year. And you know, the buzz around everything is this is going to be the most chaotic summer ever, and it starts at the draft. And there's again the new CBA rules. A lot of these teams are like, oh, what we have to do something right now because we have no we have no avenues to make other things happen. So we got to do it now. And to me, we are in a position to where we can still, yes, we don't have cap space, but we're still under the tax significantly. We can still kind of maneuver and shake things around. Um, I just think it's hard. Someone I heard someone saying this the other day, like Jake LaRavia, like at the time he was drafted, probably had a lot more value than what he does right now. Zara Williams, same thing. David Roddy, same thing. Like all of the quote-unquote young players we have have all decreased in value so i don't think we're gonna like package 25 in laravia and get up to like 15 right like i think to make a big jump like that it's gonna be what is the the gm love the most is like the unknown thing right like i think it'd be future picks if we were gonna move up in the draft it would be packaging 25 and next year's top 10 to get to like 18 or something like i could see something like that happening Right, I don't think it's like a bunch of our player. Like, I don't think Tyus is going to get us any spots up in the draft, right? Um, but I think more so it would be like picks involving a player, um, and it could be like the twenty pit, kind of like what um, Kessler did like last year with um, Minnesota and the Jazz. Right? It was like they got a haul of picks. This was right after the draft, though. But that draft, that pick, he was included in the package. So I could, if we were going to make a move and we were going to include draft picks and we were also going to include the 25th pick of this year for like OG or whatever that kind of Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, whatever that looks like, I could see us then involving something big on draft day that would, you know, implicate future seasons. Um, final thoughts, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, I had one more question. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Just real quick, I mean, I, because this is what – thinking about – because you had mentioned the Dylan thing earlier – uh, because I think thinking through like I've still the sign trade stuff still potential, but uh, so all signs point to the fact that the Grizzlies would have probably given Dylan like four years, sixteen million dollars a year ish, you know, sixty four million over four years type of contract. Do you think Dylan will get more than that in free agency? Because like all signs point to we offered him that and he turned it down. Do you think he will get more than that in free agency this summer? I think there's a chance. Um, I just think it depends on. I think I think that's another thing is because this I think summer, the higher the higher the salary, I think the better chance of us potentially getting a sign and trade yeah, out of it. Yeah, potentially so. I just think, I think a lot of dominoes potentially start to fall like on draft night. Back to your point and like what you were saying about that when the chaos happens, that's when we kind of get our hands in stuff. And I feel like if you know if something happens and like Zion gets like something crazy like Zion gets moved. Like, the picks are now just going to be flying, right? And that could set the table for, like, a lot of other stuff. Like, 
the Dame thing. Let's say they do three in Simons for something. Then some teams got three, and now they may – I don't know. I could just see, like, chaos happening around the draft, um, including Dylan to an extent, right? Like, if you look at the teams with cap space, like Houston is always the team that gets brought up. If they, like, whiff on Beal – and whiff on Cam Johnson, and they're just like, oh, my gosh, we where are we going to spend our cap space? I guess we'll give Dylan Brooks two for 40 the second year's, like, either partially guaranteed or a team option or something like that. I could see, I could see him getting something like that. But I think the most likely situation is that he gets the mid-level for a competitive playoff, you know, championship contending team is my, is my guess. If it's not Houston. I think he's going like three for 50. That's my prediction. Somewhere just like kind of right in the middle where he... A little better than what we could have given him. A little better than what we could get him, but not that much. And we will probably try to sign and trade. Um, But ultimately, it's totally up to Dylan whether he wants to play ball. So, um, I think last thought from me, and then we can... If there are any final thoughts around the table... Um, I just think that every we need a wing, a starting three, and I don't think the answer is in this draft. I would rather go closer to the guards or closer to the centers, try to get some insurance behind Tyus Jones, Stephen Adams, and plan for the future. Maybe get nab some rebounding or nab some ball handling in the draft. Maybe somebody who's older who you can trust. Um, and I don't have any names I'm, I'm looking at. I'm just more saying, like, we're not going to find our wing solve in this draft who's going to start. Uh, and I think we already have too much of a log jam from young guys in that area. And so I'd rather us put everything we can to trade for one of those guys and then draft somebody who either plays the one, two, or five. That's kind of where I'm at. I agree with you. The only, like, maybe – other side of that I would play is that if we know that we are about to trade a Zaire or a Laravia or both or Rod, like we are, we know that we're about to package the Tyus three first and a young wing. And we still sit there with the 25th pick and a wing that we like falls to us. I could be like, we'll just kind of almost like restart the process of the wing development. Right. And kind of pick a guy there. If we know that we're going to about to ship out a guy that we've already drafted in the past, it's no longer going to be with us. Yep. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun one week from, from now, and we will be with you to react live. So for Kraft, for Brantley, for Ty, I'm Will. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon.